And we talked about Jesus being superior to the prophets. Jesus being superior, greater than the angels. Jesus being superior to Moses. Jesus being superior to the old covenant ministry. And then there's the exhortation to enter into the new sanctuary. And then there's the exhortation to endure persecution that we heard last week. And this morning, we will take a look at examples of faith. You know, you may ask yourself, why this series and why at this time? I'd like to ask you to do some homework if you haven't already. Think about those areas where maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart to where something is greater than Jesus. Especially in this time right now. There's something that they experienced that we experienced. And that's difficulty. That's struggle. You know, we always face difficulty and struggle. We always face pressure. But 2020 has presented us with an extra special amount of pressure. And the interesting thing about pressure is that when we feel pressure, we respond in, in, in different ways. I want you to think about it for a moment. When, when everything is going good, we come in here, we sing, and, and we, we praise God, and we worship, and our bank account's right, our job's going well, our relationships are good, uh, everything is going smoothly, or maybe 9 out of 10, or maybe 7 out of 10, and it's awesome. But it's interesting that when you get beyond your below 500, the smiles seem to be a bit more scarce. The amens seem to be a bit more scarce. The unity seems to be a bit more scarce. And then there's other things that rise up. And the author of Hebrews, I like how one commentator puts it. He says that, that, that we don't know who the writer is, but he's Apollo-esque. He's eloquent. He understands the Old Testament. He understands Greek and he weaves them all together like none other. It's a sermon and it's eloquent. But he's addressing the very thing that happens to us. Whether you realize it or not, maybe it's subtle, maybe it's, it's, it's right out in front. Jesus is no longer greater. And we turn to whatever our former form of religion is. I would say that in the kingdom of God, we turn back to worldliness. That's where we're different from those going back to Jewish religion, Judaism. I believe that in our day and time, it's easier for us to go back to the world. You know, this morning, what we're going to look at is examples in faith. And I'm going to try to keep this short because the goal is not to lecture you, but the goal is to give you some material 
to in your small groups have discussion. In your one-on-one meetings have discussion. We are a church of small groups, not a church that has small groups. And in these small groups, they are empowered. They're equipped. And they're set loose to engage with each other. See, our small groups are, are, God is the star of the show. But in our small groups is where the work will get done. And how more fitting when we're not meeting on a regular basis to be in our small groups. It it calls us to have to meet more than Wednesday and more than Sunday. It calls us to have to engage. And this is, I believe, how God intended for his church to be. It was supposed to be more than Sunday, more than Wednesday. And there's something interesting that happens when we meet together. And when I say meet together, when we engage each other on a deeper level, your faith is encouraged. You're spurred on. You're inspired. You're supported. Doesn't mean that it doesn't happen in this large room like this. But let me give you a coaching analogy. There's something a little different from a coach yelling at everybody directions on how to play the game and a coach sitting down with you one-on-one and in love, giving you encouragement and instruction. You know, the writer, if we were to to review our last Sunday um, sermon, our text, it was Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. And in verse 32, the author says, remember, those days, and he uses the hearers as examples of endurance. Is that cool or what? There's these exhortations, and then he goes, you know, you guys have already exampled what it is to endure. You endured persecution when you first became Christians. There's something key about that. When we first become Christians, there's a little bit more vigor than when we get older. Some of it says that that when we get older, we get long in the tooth. And we want to take shortcuts. And we lose zeal. But the writer says that, that you endured, and he says that you endured some specific things. You endured persecution. He says, not only did you endure persecution, but, but, but you stood with those that were imprisoned. Not only did you stand with those that were imprisoned, but, but when you sat with them, when you came to visit them, you were marked as a Christian. You then put yourself on the line as one of them. Not only did you do that, but you also joyfully accepted the confiscation of your goods joyfully. You've already endured. This is a coaching moment. You've already endured. It's getting difficult. This is where you need to get back to. And I want to take a look at at, at Hebrews chapter 10. 
And in verse 36, it says, for you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what is promised for in a, and for in yet a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those. He says we are not. The writer identifies himself with the recipients. We are not those that draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Let me say that again. But we are not those who draw back, who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Have faith and obtain salvation. They win the race if they endure. Before we go into these heroes in the faith, let's let's pray. God, we thank you. We bless you for the opportunity to, to be here. We thank you for everyone in the social media world that's listening right now. We, we thank you, Father, that you've brought us to this point, that you've sustained us. Father, we, we, we pray that, that whatever it is in your mind to do, whether it's remind us, refresh us, admonish us, call us higher. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that, that, that the focal point of this time is understanding how important faith is. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name and thank you for your long suffering with us. We expect you to meet us right here. And we open our hearts. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of those messages that if it misses... I need you to reach up, reach out, reach down, grab it, and put it in your heart. Amen. I need you to work with me this morning. Now, we we understand that that there's this piece of of that's leading out from from chapter ten. It leads into the idea of of faith. And and I don't know about you, but as I studied this out over time and during the week and and read it over and over again, we've got. One through 40. And I don't know if you've asked this question, but it's why are there so many examples? You know, there's a, a book called uh, uh, The Mamba Mentality. It's, it's Kobe Bryant's book. It's called The Way I Play. Kobe Bryant passed away. He's one of the Laker greats. Um, they, they label him under Michael Jordan. But he, he wrote this book, and, and some of our players, they would get this book, and they would get this book, and they would look at all this direction, and Kobe would just kind of go through all of the things that he thought about, all of the things that he did to prepare himself, all of the things. He, he talked about growing up, getting to the league, and he talked about the maturization of getting to the point of being who he was. But, but there's something interesting in this book. There's a picture of him, and he's, He's in a game and he's leaned next to Michael Jordan and he's asking Michael Jordan a question. Now, I know some of us get lost 
in sports analogies. But what I want you to understand is, is that Kobe came into the league and he imitated Michael Jordan. There are commercials of, of, of Kobe shooting the ball and making a move, and he's making the exact same move. You can put them side by side. You can put them together, and they are identical. Kobe Bryant, when he first came into the league, he spoke in the same cadence, the same tone, the same everything as Jordan. He sounded like he imitated Michael Jordan when he spoke. And now I watch these young kids that, that get this book and they say, well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like Kobe. And in my mind, I go, man, you're kind of second generation. I said, you ever heard of Michael? I've never seen Michael Jordan play. Kobe's the best, man. And I'm like, this is not an argument. This isn't a hill that I want to die on. <laughs> Hear me. When I hear Kobe talking about the things that he's talking about, I'm reminded of my first generation of Michael Jordan and the things that he did. Now, when I think about the things that Michael Jordan did, I think about the things that I did to play professional basketball. Now, when I hear those things, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, that was how I got my mind right to play in a difficult game. Oh, yeah. That's how I dealt with a difficult situation or a double team. I prepared beforehand. Now, what I want you to, to understand is as the writer writes this, it's his goal that through all of these examples, they would be reminded of some basic truths. Hebrews 11 is a form of ancient rhetoric, an example list, and this preaching is used to exhort listeners to take specific courses of action, and the aim is to give example after example of people who have taken the desired course of behavior, behavior and pressing the hearers with a positive outcome of their actions. You know, the author, by providing these, these addressing the, the hearers with this, this, this specific examples, the author is challenging them to grasp how God's people must live by faith and having grasped this truth, to live a life of persevering faith. Amen? Amen? That's kind of the deal there. That's, that's what's happening. And you know what's interesting? It's like he uses these examples, these examples, these examples. And I'm like, man, there's not that many examples in Kobe's book. I, I guess that's why people don't really understand the idea of all of this really boils down to. It boils down to hard work. You just kind of look at him and you go, okay, that's a nice picture. Oh, that's a nice uniform. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Anyway, all right. But the author deals with some things specifically over and over and over and over again. I'm going to share with you a few markers that are important for our faith. Let's read in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, faith is a reality of what is hoped for, 
the proof of what is not seen. For by it, our ancestors, our ancestors were approved. Some of you, your scripture says, by our ancestors' faith, they pleased God. The writer goes on to say, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. Now, the author starts out by defining faith. I want to ask you this morning, how's your faith? What is faith? I could give you the scientific answer, but the ideal is, is that, that faith is believing in the invisible. Believing in an invisible God. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Why don't I just read it? I, well, actually, I, I did read it. An invisible God who from nothing spoke creation into existence. That's faith. The definition of faith is that you believe in an invisible God. Now, in that time, like now, if people can't see something, how many people have you ran into that are not interested in having a spiritual conversation and maybe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your life and you're not interested in having a spiritual conversation because you don't, quote unquote, see God. You know, the interesting thing about this is, is, is that at the end of the day, there's this reoccurring theme that, that runs throughout this chapter and runs throughout scripture that runs through. When we talk about faith, there is an invisible God that creates from nothing. Now, the writer shares this and he says, this is the foundation. This is where we're going to start at. We all believe that God created all of this, right? We don't believe that. We don't need to go any further. An invisible God with an all-powerful word created what we have here. I want you to keep in mind, number one, faith is essential to please God. Faith is essential to please God. Now, how many of us, let me stop. In verse four, scripture says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By this, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through this. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation, he was approved, having pleased God. You know, we have a congregational midweek uh, this Sunday. 
But I'd like for you to do this right now. We're not going to go through all these examples, but I want you to to take some time to maybe pick one out. You don't have to do them all, but but just pick one out and and, and, and write down what it would take for this person to have faith. Have you ever thought about the idea of, of pleasing God more than pleasing others? How much do we change up or how much is our attitude changed by a frown or disapproval or dismissal? Of others. You know, the interesting thing about Abel is that that he offered his sacrifice and it talks about Cain and he offered his sacrifice. You know, there's this piece. Why don't we go there? Of pleasing God where you offer your first fruits to God. Sometimes we talk about our 10 percent and our contribution. Amen. I got a couple contributions to catch up on. A little plug for contribution. When your group comes in, you can send it with somebody. You can send it in. There's some ways. But, but we, you know, we still do contribution, and it's going pretty good. So amen. But more than contribution. Every day are your first fruits offered to God. Are your first fruits offered to God, or are they offered to your other religion. You know, the interesting thing is that our first fruits in order to please God have to be offered to God. And this isn't just Sunday. This isn't I'm going to come in on Wednesday or Tuesday and I'm going to bring in my contribution. This is every day my first fruits. That's challenging. I mean, think about it. Brother, have you read your Bible? Oh, I read it about 12.01 midnight. But I get up and I do all of this other stuff and I can't figure out why I'm having a hard time connecting with God. You just said it. However you do that, you do that. But I want you to think about the idea of pleasing God in your first fruits on a daily basis. The first fruits of your attitude. The first fruits of your thought process. The first fruits of your actions. The first fruits of your responses to pressure. Enoch. Who was Enoch known as? The friend of God. Enoch walked with God. You know, there's something to being pleasing to God, and, and it has to do with being in the vicinity of God. It's walking with God. How many of us can honestly say to ourselves, we're honest enough to say, you know, there's probably more times that I'm not God's friend. There's probably more times that I'm walking by myself or I'm walking with the enemy or I'm walking faithless than walking with God. Because walking with God would mean that everything that I believe and camp out and hope for is bound up in a God that I don't necessarily see. And a God that is able to do anything. There's nothing that's impossible for him. Let's go to verse six. You guys all right? 
The writer says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Can I read that again? Is that okay? Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's faith marker number two. Without faith, it is impossible to to, to please God. Without faith. Think of the implications. For the one who draws near to him must. This isn't optional. You know what I'm saying? This, you, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to pass on this one today, God. He must believe, she must believe that he exists and he rewards those who, in some of your scriptures, it says earnestly seek him. Now, I, 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 you know, how easy would it be to get caught up in God didn't answer my prayer last month? So he's not rewarding me. Therefore, he doesn't exist. Or God, what are you doing? And and when we start going down that road, what happens in our lives? What happened in these guys' lives? They started to, to experience persecution again. The confiscation of property. They started to to see people in prison again. (laughs) Sometimes we go through things and we go through things and we say, okay, God, that's enough. I've learned my lesson. I love you, son or daughter. There's a deeper lesson that you ought get. And I'm just going to wait on you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to allow you to see this because there's something deeper that you ought get from this rerun. How many of us, when we think of rewards, we think about the rewards that we'll receive here on earth. If you put together all that's being said from the beginning, um, from from this piece here in verse 39, rewards those who earnestly seek him. I would say it's my conviction that that ultimately it has to do with heaven. How many of us think about heaven? How many of us have been offended when somebody says, and, and maybe they say it out of context, well, at least you're going to heaven. Man, I didn't win the lottery. I'm struggling. I need this difficulty to be over. Now, if we're motivated by the temporary, we'll sway like a reed. And if we're not careful, You know, scripture says from from last week, if we go on deliberately sinning, we'll be destroyed. You'll destroy your faith. You'll walk away from God. God won't walk away from you. You'll walk away from him. You'll turn in your faith. 
you miss out on heaven. You'll miss out on heaven if you, 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 you don't realize how important it is to understand that is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. I, I want you to consider this. If, if there are times when you are only willing to be like Jesus, when somebody is like Jesus to you first, is that faith? Is it pleasing to God when we have all of these examples of Jesus and all of these examples that we're going to get into? Is it, is it pleasing to God? If we can caveat, what does caveat mean? If I can, if I can explain away why I'm not living a life that's pleasing to God. Well, this person did this or they didn't do that. What did Jesus endure? Think about it. Is it deliberately sinning if you know that you need to be like Jesus, regardless of what anybody else is like? Is it not pleasing to God to not walk with God, regardless of the people around you and what they do or do to you or don't do? Is that pleasing to God? It, it, I mean, I don't know if that hits you. That hits me kind of funny. It's like any time that I willfully say, I'm not going to be like Jesus because this person is taking advantage. I'm not going to be this because they're talking to me this way. I'm not going to do this because. That means that my faith is short sighted. That means that 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 pleasing God is not a matter of pleasing God. My pleasing my faith is based on people. My faith is based on circumstances. My faith is based on my bank account. My ba my faith is based on, on, on how I'm feeling physically. If those things get in the way of you being like Jesus, of us being like Jesus, of us persevering, of us believing in something other than what's going on in this earth, do you understand that it's not pleasing to God? If faith is everything and we live a life that is not pleasing to God, where are we? I mean, think about that. I'll read this one because this now we, you, you know, faith is described and, and then it's described more. And we have this demonstration of faith. And, and these are kind of the, the you know, Kobe's book. It says uh, uh, Mamba mentality. This is how I play. This is how I play. This this is how faith is played out. By faith, Noah, after being warned. What was not yet seen in reverence built an ark to deliver his family and this and, and by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was warned. Noah, out of reverence for God, built an ark to deliver his family to follow God. What has God warned you about in scripture? What is God's holy? What is his Holy Spirit warned you about? What has he called you to build? 
I mean, I want you to imagine building an ark and nobody else is interested in this. Imagine the ridicule. Imagine the time. I mean, did he build that ark in 15 minutes? All of that time he's building. What you doing, Noah? You know, this piece of he, he preached to these people, but but the reality was was only he and his family were going to be saved. He built this ark. And his faith condemned the rest of the world. You know, oftentimes I think we spend more time trying to condemn other people by getting this vein and this vein and this vein and yelling and being all of this. When the reality is, if we follow God, that is plenty of condemnation. And you know what? When we follow God, how people respond is on them. And I think more than often, more often than not, we spend more time trying to get a rise out of people. And it becomes about us and people more than it becomes about God and us. Sometimes I think we give ourselves too much credit. I don't know, maybe that's just me. You know, scripture goes through all of these examples all of these examples of of folks that that live by faith i just wanted to talk about 3 sweet i wanted to talk about 3 of them i wanted to talk about 3 faith markers Faith is what pleases God. Two, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the last one I'd like to talk about is in verse 32. Will you come go there with me in your Bibles to Hebrews Hebrews 32, you go through these, 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 these examples over and over again. And I want to encourage you to which one of these, I mean, break those down. What would it take for these people to live out this faith? But we get to, to verse 32. We've kind of went through, we've got to the, the, the parade at verse 20 where it kind of speeds up, but we get to this part in, in, in 32 and it says, what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon Barak. Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword. They they gained strength after being weak. They became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight when women received their dead raised to life again. I want to just take a pause there. When we think about faith, sometimes I think that, that, that this is where it stops. And this is the only piece of faith that matters. What I conquer. The mouth of the lion being shut. I was weak, but God made me strong. 
Now, these are things. These are things. But let's read on. Let's start in 35 again. Women received their dead raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release. Some men were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And they wandered in deserts and mountain caves and holes in the ground. All of these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. You know, as as the writer shares all that he's sharing. There's something that we've got to realize. All of these individuals died in faith without receiving the promise. If you were to go back to Hebrews 16, it it talks about that that all of these people died. And and that's just the, 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 the reiteration. It's just it's saying that again at the end in 32. But they all died in faith. Without receiving the promise. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but there have been times when I go, well, you know, yeah, they did receive promises. But they didn't receive the promise. I, I think in Daniel is when it first starts to talk about heaven. Salvation, forgiveness. There's so many things that, that these guys didn't receive. But they were looking for a promised land. Now, I want you to, to think about this because the writer masterfully puts this in here and what he's basically saying is, is that, hey, Hebrews, these guys had less than you. They died faithful. You're in a better place than them. They didn't have Jesus. They got... They got less than you and they got more than you. Is that crazy or what? It's almost like a little, you know, you start hearing all these stories and go, yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes, oh, and by the way, these guys died not receiving the promise that you have. And they were just looking forward. They were motivated. Their lives were lived out the way that they were because they were motivated because they knew that there was something greater. But they died without it. That's faith. How many of us deep down in our hearts can be honest and say, you know what? I probably spend more time Preferring to die on hills that I know that I'm going to get a reward here. 
Faith requires a long-term motivation. What about the person you try to encourage that isn't encouraged? <laughs> what about the time you try to do the things of God and they don't turn out the way that they ought to turn out? Will you remain faithful in the midst of those things? That's faith. This week while you're reading through this chapter and praying through this chapter and you're you're looking at each of those individuals and what they gave up and what were the consequences and what was the reward when you read through that and then you start to go, OK, so how does that play out in my life? How am I like Noah? How am I not like Noah? How am I? How am I? Where am I? Where am I not pleasing to God? And I mean, you know, we're enduring, we're suffering, we're going through challenges. And the writer is saying that there's a faith that you already have. Look at these heroes in the faith. And take note. Faith isn't just saying that you got faith. Faith isn't the ability to communicate in an eloquent way what faith is and what the faith of someone else would be. Faith is the ability to give everything you got to a God that's invisible to the world around you. That has the power to do anything. If you don't believe that God can do anything, I mean, maybe you need to be like that fellow. Man, I, I want to be faithful, but, but help me with my faith. Maybe that should be your prayer. How does that play out in, in the world today? Our first fruits are, are being called to all of these other areas. Our energies are called to all of these other areas. Our energies are called to all of these other areas. There are people around us that are, are uh, forfeiting, not forfeiting, you know, like I'm forfeiting forever, but they spend more time on things that aren't of God. I, I know that I do too. If we're honest with ourselves, there are times when, when we all, we give our first fruits to things other than God. And you know what? We think we're, 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 we're on to something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, this is the pinnacle of everything. And when you read about these, 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 these examples of faith, it was like wherever they were at, whatever was going on, they looked to God. They looked beyond to something greater and they lived and they died faithful. You know, the reality is, is that, that, that it's impressive when after you've passed away from this life, there is a record of your faithfulness. In life and death, there's faith. In life and death, we please God. 
and it's impossible to please him without faith. Do you believe that God exists more than your worst enemy, more than this culture, more than the oppression, more than the finances, more than the, the order of the world? Do you believe that God exists and created everything and everything is living in his world? I know that's a hard task to, to you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sitting up here. Yeah, I wrestle with that. You do too. But where is the writer calling the Hebrews to spend their time? Follow the examples of faith. We're going to take communion. And the communion thought that I have for you in a letter to the Corinthians there's a, a scenario that's happening and, and the writer says to take communion in a manner worthy don't take it without the less fortunate don't take it with the wrong mindset don't take it in an unworthy manner, but when you take it, take it until the Lord comes back. And there's a piece of us understanding the cross, what it means for us. But the implication that as we take this, we look around and we're going to persevere, we're going to endure, we're going to believe in God and life and death together. Because we believe that Jesus is coming back. That's our long term goal. That's our that's our everyday motivation to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to be grateful, to repent, to forgive. To embrace the forgiveness of God. But our long term goal, we don't talk about it enough. We're not motivated enough, I believe, by the idea that Jesus is going to come back. We take communion this morning. Take it with the faithful mindset that we'll be faithful and we'll grow until Jesus comes back. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for these examples that you give in scripture, these examples that we experienced amongst ourselves. Father, we're grateful for the cross and the implications of the cross, that we're forgiven, that we have salvation, that we're part of your kingdom and your family, that that, that sacrifice was enough that one time for past sins, for present sins, and for future sins. Thank you so much that we have a future with you in eternity, not because we're awesome, but because of Jesus. Father, we are reminded and excited because Jesus someday will come back 
and we'll be with you. Thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.